When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, you know what time it is. It's time for the Steelers fix. My name is Andrew Wilbar alongside, as always, the charming, the <laughs> one and only. Oh, yeah. Keep going. Uh, I can't think of anything else. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Jer- Jeremy Betts. Hey, yeah. Expert here. Jeremy, how's it going? Hey, uh, I I love the, the intro there. Um, I love the being called an expert. I don't feel like I am sometimes. Uh, so, Hey, let's do this. Let's, let's see, let's put that, that, uh, theory to the test here. I'm doing good. I'm ready to, to roll with this and start talking some more fantasy football today. Well, see Jeremy and I are in a fantasy football league draft right now, a dynasty league draft, um, (laughs) with another buddy of mine and then some other guys, um, just scattered across this planet. Uh, and, it's it's taken them quite a while because we've had a few teams that have not really paid super close attention to it, so they've let the full twenty four hours run. Um, and then there've been several people who I've been trying to make deals with um, to move picks, move players, um, and they don't see it until there's about ten minutes left for me to pick, and then I finally make my pick, and then they finally <laughs> decide to show up. Um, yeah. So it's taken a little bit longer. We started last Tuesday, and we are we're recording Monday night. This is we're still in the early stages of the third round. Um, so it almost is almost a weekend, almost a weekend. So it, we're definitely taking our own sweet time with this, but, uh, Jeremy has done a pretty good job. He took over a pretty rough situation, a team that had like seven or eight defensive players on it. Um, yeah. had just some, <laughs> it, it was not that good, but he did have the number one overall pick. He ended up trading out of that pick, got a massive haul in return. Um, was able to get some early round picks, was able to add Michael Thomas as well for some receiver depth. Um, really good move so far. Jeremy, what's been your biggest takeaway from uh, this dynasty draft we've been in so far? Well, I think uh, it's been two things. It's been uh, the run on wide receivers very early. Yes. Um, just that's the position group we've talked about already. That's the really the the bright spot from this draft class. So, uh, you know, they're going early in our in our first round. We had Kenyon Drake, Traylon Burks, Jamison Williams, Christian Watson, Jahan Dotson, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Sky Moore. Uh, those guys all made it in the first round in a 14-team league. That's that's a lot of wide receivers. And uh, so definitely that part of it has been uh, impressive so far. The wide receivers really taken over. Um, but then also uh, 
you know, my goal going into this, especially once I saw my team was like, Hey, let's see if I can't get a couple guys that are mid-level talents um, that are established players that hopefully can allow me to be competitive this year while I stockpile some picks for 2023. I, I think that that's going to be a little bit better draft overall. Mm -hmm. And so I've done that. I got two first rounders and two second rounders waiting on me next year. And I'm excited about that. I think that could be a strategy to employ uh, either get a lot of picks this year. So you have a lot of uh, chances to hit or uh, get rid of them and and pile up next year when the draft uh, class will be a little bit deeper at some of these positions. Tonight in one of my other fantasy leagues and the main one that I'm in that I've started off in when I was like in seventh grade and I've been in that league ever since, um, mm-hmm. we always draw now. We make an annual thing. We draw out of um, a bag for the draft order. And we've had this thing going on for years now. I always seem to end up having to pick 10th. I don't know why, but <laughs> every single year I end up getting the 10th pick up. My name is always the last one picked. This year I pick ninth. So hey, um, on up. I'm going up, but uh, not at the speed I wanted it to. I was really hoping for something in the middle this year. Um, didn't get it. Um, but going back to our Dynasty League, I believe it was – did I trade you Chase Claypool, Jeremy? You did. You you sent me Chase Claypool, which was a really good get for me, but I think I, I did have to give up a few picks for that. So, you know, I so far I've traded for um, – a first rounder and a second rounder next year. And then I've also uh, received Michael Thomas, which we'll see how that goes. Chase Claypool. I'm excited about that one. I think that there's some potential there. We might talk about him a little bit later here. Uh, And then I've also picked up a tight end, Dallas Goddard. The only tight end on my roster was Blake Jarwin and that wasn't cutting it. So, uh, you know, it's, that's what I've come out with and yeah, but Chase Claypool, I was surprised that, a uh, fellow Steeler fan would give him up, but yeah. you did. So I must've liked the, the deal we struck. See the, I, there was a guy I was wanting um, in that range. I felt like I needed another pick. Uh, the draft board has not exactly fallen the way that I was hoping. I uh, didn't get a whole lot of help in trade. So um, I didn't mm. really fix my receiving core like I was hoping to, but I have stockpiled some running backs and hopefully I'll be able to trade some of them away and be able to balance out my roster a little bit. But you do mention Clay, Chase Claypool. Let's talk about him to begin our show for those of you listening who have not heard on uh, at least the news headline came out on Monday that Chase Claypool was on a podcast, a well-known podcast. And he came out with the statement saying that he is a top three wide receiver in the NFL. Now I, Jeremy, some of this is probably taken a little bit too much out of context, um, you brought up a good point before we started the show that potentially he's talking about what his potential is, not what he is currently. But are you concerned at all about uh, the statement that Chase Claypool made saying that coming and saying that he's a top three wide receiver? I don't have any problem with it. And here's why. When you look at what he was talking about, uh, he talked about um, the concern that he didn't live up to expectations in, in year two. And he was trying to make the statement that he had. He had improved his game all around, just didn't have a lot of opportunities to make plays. And uh, so the improvement from year one to year two might not have necessarily been super visible on the stat sheet, but he feels like he's better uh, than what it showed. And he thinks that he's going to improve again 
that's how I took what I took out of it is that he's going to improve again in year three uh, to be a top five or top three receiver. Um, I think it's good as a wide receiver to have that type of confidence um, really for any position, but wide receivers and cornerbacks, uh, especially they have to be able to, to bounce back from perceived slights and from bad games and just put, put it, put it behind them and move on. So I, I like the attitude. I like the thought process. I, I like that he's aware of the expectation for him with his physical traits and um, just the, the way he should be able to play football based on his physical talents. He's basically putting the onus on himself that that's what he sees himself as. And he needs to go out there and live up to it. The traits are obviously off the charts and we all know what Chase Claypool is capable of being. And we saw glimpses of that his rookie season when he went off for 10 touchdowns, we know what Chase Claypool could potentially mean to this offense moving forward. But I, I, I tend to agree that I don't think this is a very big issue. I really don't. Uh, I think that Claypool is hopefully, I mean, the Steelers fans, we know Steelers fans well enough, Jeremy, our fellow <laughs> friends, we're going yes. to hold him accountable. And that's just yeah. what the fan base does. And maybe that's none that he needs. Sometimes players, they just need to have that extra accountability on them. Maybe not the way that they expect it to come, but if Claypool has the guts to come out and say that he's a top three wide receiver, maybe having that extra accountability of Steeler nation, maybe that will finally help him get over the hump and get back on track to where we thought he was going to be just a year ago. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that that's the case. I, I give him props for, being vocal this offseason, not just just you know hiding back and letting last year the stink of last year uh, as far as the way Steelers fans perceived him and everything, and um, you know taking not letting that just fester, but trying to take a leadership role here in uh, preseason workouts and mini camp, and trying to show that he's maturing uh, and realizing the the work that's going to need to go into match the physical talent. So let's see how it goes. But I mean, I agree with you. I think that accountability factor, he realizes he's got uh, a lot of people watching him uh, and the Steelers are a primo organization and they don't, they don't just sit by it and let people with big time talent slack and not make it work. So we're going to see how it works. Um, the Steelers are, have been patient with uh, players in the past. I, I think they'll give him a shot this year. He has as good a chance as any of these receivers on this team to be the Steelers uh, best in 2022. These next two years, but specifically this year is going to be very important with Deontay Johnson's future unsettled. Chase Claypool needs to prove, especially early on in the year that he is worthy of, of being paid big time money because more than likely the Steelers are not going to be able to pay both Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. Whoever performs better early on is probably the one that the Steelers are going to decide to pay. Uh, but speaking of getting paid, Minka mm. Moneybags has cashed in. Minka Fitzpatrick signed yeah, a big time extension with the Steelers. Jeremy, this is Omar Khan's first big move as the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers. How would you grade it? I give it an A plus. I mean, what do you do but sign one of the best safeties in the league to an extension, keep him a part of that group? Uh, the money was was good for Minka, but it was also good for the team. I mean, 
they stuck to their um their guns and you know the the guaranteed money was was decent but it wasn't killer for the team um and you know the contract itself allowed them to create some more cap space this year uh you hope that they would uh take that and use it to improve some of the the areas of the roster that have some holes if they do that i think that um the grade you know obviously i have them at an a plus but it could become an a plus plus for me if uh if that gets done as well it's interesting because the way that the Steelers acquired Minka Fitzpatrick trading away a first round pick I have not I've never have been never will be a fan of ever trading a bunch of draft capital away now I understood the move at the time I still I think it was a good move overall it's is paid big dividends for the Steelers trading that first round pick away I will say though that the it's almost like the perception is different. If the Steelers would have drafted Minka Fitzpatrick in the first round, mm. I think a lot of fans, including myself, would think it a lot much easier to comprehend paying a safety in today's day and age that much money. Um, and overall, I still I can understand why the Steelers did, and I think that was probably the best move. Uh, the timing of it was good because it happened before Derwin James and Jesse Bates were signed, which if yes, the Steelers would have waited, it probably would have been a more expensive. So in that aspect, is a very smart move. Um, but just even, even though free safety is becoming more valued, I feel like safety is a position that you can relatively easy, easily replace. Um, I think strong safety is definitely becoming less and less important in today's modern day football. I still, I love the strong safeties. I really do. I like the, just finding a good old style, strong safety with some speed who can hit love it. But the things that free safeties are asked to do in terms of coverage and just the many different hats they're asked to wear uh, each and every game. uh, I think that makes this deal worth it, especially when you combine the fact that, He's not getting paid quite that as much this year. So you combine that in with the year. So he's Steelers have him for five years, paying right. him a little bit over 16 million each year for the next five years. Really not a bad deal overall. Um, right. It'll be interesting to see if the Steelers can add some pieces around him and uh, see if they can continue to add to what could be a potentially elite secondary. That's still pretty young in the near future. Jeremy, do you have any other thoughts right. on that before we move on? No, I think your point there about, um, the secondary having a lot of upside is is key because you know we we've talked about the fact that the Steelers don't necessarily have a true number one on their roster as we sit, but one of these guys could develop into that. And in any case, they're they're going to have one of the most uh, solid four uh, cornerbacks, or they're going to go four deep pretty well at cornerback this year. And they're not going to be really splashy, I don't think. But you don't necessarily need that when you got a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick back there who is splashy, who can make the big play. If the other guys are doing their job, it frees up Minka a little bit more to be able to be that playmaker that we saw in 2019, 2020, uh, still 2021, just a, a little bit differently. He had to take on a little bit different role uh, due to this, the team's uh, issues on that side of the ball. Um, but, you know, guys who can, hold their own on the outside allows a guy like Minka to make that contract, that deal uh, worth it for the Steelers. Well, Steelers fans, we're going to segue into the topic of today's show, which is fantasy football, all potential teams. And this is an idea that Jeremy brought up to me earlier last week. 
um, going round by round based kind of on ADP or based on whatever rankings we decide we were going to abide by uh, just based on where the players are generally going in fantasy mock drafts so far and going round by round about, and we're talking a 10 team league and going each round and trying to determine which player brings the most upside or potential this year in fantasy football. We are going to get into that with more details. We're going to take a quick break first, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on the Steelers Fix right after this. We are back and bestest than ever. I can't copy Mike and Mike, uh, even though that was improper grammar. It is the Steelers fix. Jeremy Betts and Andrew Wilbar with you today. Jeremy, this was your idea, the fantasy football all potential team. So I'm going to let you start off in round one. Who do you believe brings the most potential and who is your vote or your choice for your all potential team in round one? Well, by the end of this um, exercise, you may be labeling me a homer, but I, you know, I've got a couple Steelers players on here. We're going to start off with my favorite Steeler fantasy football player, and that's Najee Harris. I think his ADP right now on ESPN PPR leagues is eighth. He's being drafted eighth overall, and I think that he has an opportunity um, to be the number one overall fantasy. Uh, points producer in 2022. I think he's got just as good a shot as any of those other guys, maybe even a little bit better shot than a guy like Derrick Henry, who's going one spot before him, a guy like Christian McCaffrey, who can't stay healthy. Um, Derrick Henry's not as involved in the passing game. Christian McCaffrey's health is a concern. So I went with a guy in Najee Harris, who's being taken near the back end of the first round. That's value to me um, because of what, of the potential he can bring as uh, uh he, I mean, he's he's got the ability to be a league leader in rushing, a league leader in touches again, uh, and a lot of that will be receiving as well. Which, if you're in a PPR league, is is fantastic. And if not, though, he's going to get the the rushing work to um, make him worthy of a, a top five pick. I, I'm I would pick him in the top five this year, um, personally, and uh, so I just like. Najee Harris uh, in round one, the best of the guys that I was seeing on the ADP. You say his ADP is eight and I'm picking ninth in my main league, but I'm not mad. I will find <laughs> somebody else probably end up being stuck with either an injured Christian McCaffrey. If he happens to fall to me or uh, a bust wide receiver. But anyways, I'll get into that a different time. I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey for my all potential guy. And this is not because I'm incredibly confident in his ability to stay healthy it is because of the fact that if he does stay healthy, his potential, especially in PPR and half PPR formats, but really any format is through the roof. The Panthers have added to their offensive line. We don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be like, but we do know Sam Darnold was three and O last year when Christian McCaffrey was with him in the mm-hmm. backfield. And with McCaffrey, we know his capabilities, not only as a runner, but as a receiver. And I feel if you're just looking at all the other running backs, whether it be Dalvin Cook and even Najee Harris, Harris was very tempting. I had, a, I figured you were probably going to go with him. Um, but Joe Mixon, <laughs> another guy, could be a workhorse back. 
Uh, but there's not a bunch of workhorse backs guys that are guaranteed to get this many touches, not only in the running game, but in the receiving game right. as well. And because yeah. of that, I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey as the guy who I think has the most potential in round one, but of course a very big risk and someone you probably don't want to take any higher than maybe the sixth or seventh pick moving to round two, Jeremy there, this is kind of the round where those of us who have played fantasy football for a while, we finally begin to look at receivers. For most of us, we do not even consider receivers in the first round anymore, especially if you're in a nine PPR league. Um, it's just not worth it. But round two is when sometimes the receivers, you can get a really good buy at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Who are you going with in round two? Are you going receiver? Or are you uh, going to double up here with running back? I'm going wide receiver for the all potential draft. In my in my uh, actual drafts, I might change that up and, and go with another running back depending on who's there depending on where I pick as well. Uh, but I went with CD lamb. I think the departure of um, Amari Cooper to Cleveland, although it doesn't look fantastic on paper for the Dallas Cowboys, I think it's fantastic for CD lamb. I think he's going to be targeted more. I think he's going to take advantage of that. He's a, a fantastic athlete. He's a got great body control. Um, I think he's going to feast in this offense with Dak Prescott throwing the football all over the yard uh, without that added uh, target monster in Amari Cooper. I think that you see uh, quite a jump from CeeDee Lamb in uh, year three here uh, as the number one guy on a high-powered Dallas Cowboys offense really like C.D. Lamb uh, this year. It's funny because a lot of times I'm a big believer in finding guys that are going to be guaranteed volume and finding that balance though. Cause there was a couple years where I knew that Devontae Adams, a guy with green Bay who was going to be guaranteed to get a lot of targets, but he also had nobody else there beside him uh, to be able to take some of the attention away. So I'm like, okay, he's going to be double, triple teamed all the time. So, you know, it's finding that balance of, you know, is he going to get all the attention double covered? Can he, you know, be able to overcome these double and triple coverages? Or um, is that going to be an issue because there isn't anybody else on the team to take some of that attention away? But in CD Lamb's case, I think it's perfect because he's going to be the number one guy now with Amari Cooper out. He is definitely the guy who had emerged toward the end of last year as the guy who brings the most upside in this offense. But he's not the only guy. They still have Michael Gallup. They added Jalen Tolbert. You still have Ezekiel Elliott and you have Dalton Schultz. None of those guys are on the same level as CD Lamb. But they're guys that the defense has to pay attention to enough to where CD Lamb is not going to get 100% of the defense's attention on every down. And I think that's really good for a lamb. And that's why I have him in round two for me as well. I really like uh, the upside that he brings. And I feel like his floor is pretty safe as well because of what we talked about, that guaranteed volume. And we know Mike McCarthy offenses, they're always going to be pass happy. Uh, when I was in, when he was the head coach of Green Bay, I took Eddie Lacy when he was the the one year that he was actually a really good running back (laughs) and he was doing so well, but he never got enough touches. It was a struggle just to get Mm -hmm. 10 touches a game because Mike McCarthy was so persistent on passing the ball. And we know it's going to be the same with Dallas uh, this year. So I would trust CD lamb. And I think we're in agreement with that. Are we in agreement in round three as well, Jeremy? We are another NFC East player as well. Uh, This time at running back, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you, but, when I look at this guy's rookie tape, I see one of the most explosive players at this position that I've ever seen. And injuries have been a problem 
for him. Uh, a lot like Christian McCaffrey, though, and he's fallen way further than Christian McCaffrey is in drafts. And I think he's got just as much potential to be a a top five, top four, top three fantasy running back this year. It's Saquon Barkley in New York. The offensive cast is a little bit better. The offensive line's a little bit better. Danny uh, Daniel Jones is a, is a little bit more um, set in, in place here. I know they got a new offensive coordinator. Oh, I'm sorry, it's a new head coach. Brian Dable is going to bring a lot of what he did over in Buffalo to this team. I like the, the thought of that as well. So, you know, it's, it's a guy that is seemingly 100% healthy. Uh, we heard a little while ago, uh, on social media that he has his swagger back, whatever that means. We'll see, but man, I like Saquon Barkley in the third round, man. You've got to be kidding me. As far as potential goes, you're talking a guy that could be an absolute steal. If he lives up to even three quarters of, uh, what we saw out of him, his first year or two healthy in the league. I have an interesting story on Saquon Barkley. I'm not going to take up too much time. But this was, I believe, two years ago in the same fantasy league that we had our draft drawing tonight. Uh, I was picking third overall that year. I, there were That was the year where Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley were considered the top two guys. And then after that, there was going to be a big drop-off. I wanted to get one of those two guys because I did not know who I was going to take with that third pick because I didn't really like any of the guys that were going to be available. Sure, But one of the guys that was ahead of me uh, he was a Patriots fan, and he was <laughs> one who always liked to take the players that I had interest in. And, you know, we would talk a lot about football, and he knew that I was a big fan of Patrick Mahomes. Of course, I was all aboard the Mahomes train the year that he came out, um, was a huge fan of his. And I kind of wanted to adopt him as kind of like my fantasy guy that I just draft every year. You know, sometimes you have those guys just on your team that like, sure. you know, I've had this guy on my fantasy team for the last five years. I think I'm just going to draft him every year from now on because he's he's been good for me. So I'm just going to yeah, stick absolutely. with him. Um, so, you know, he knew that I love Patrick Mahomes. So he was picking second overall. I knew the first guy was going to take, um, or no, uh, this guy, he was picking first overall. And then I knew the other guy was going to take McCaffrey if he was available. So I've got to figure out, you know, to make this guy not take Christian McCaffrey first overall or Saquon Barkley. And one of them is going to fall to me with the third pick. So yeah, I beat him that night, the night before and all day that day, I sent out like a group text to the league and it's like, uh, y'all going to be surprised when Patrick Mahomes goes a little bit higher than you think. Uh, and he, you know, everyone knew that I was big on Mahomes at the time, Mike. Right. And then I sent him a message like, you know, Hey, uh, don't forget about our draft tonight. You know, the draft room opens at six 30. Um, can't wait to get Mahomes back on my team. So he was the guy, guy and the person who, I mean, he, he, <laughs> You know, I mean, Man, he's a great guy, but screened like crazy, didn't you? But yeah, so first pick <laughs> overall, Patrick Mahomes goes off the yes, board. Yes, sir. I oh, end man, up getting Saquon him. Barkley, and then he gets injured. He doesn't do me anything the entire year. Uh -oh. <laughs> so bitter about it. Yeah, Saquon Barkley, I, I, he's the guy I chose in the third round. The because we're basing it fully off potential today, and the potential is off the charts. Uh, yep. The Giants have absolutely to add to their offensive line. He's got so much talent. But at the same time, I've, I've gotten bitten by this Barkley bug before, and I'm just not sure if I want to play with it any longer. But based on potential, yeah, this guy, if he is fully healthy, he could be a top three running back in fantasy football for sure. Absolutely. Moving to round four. Jeremy, where are you going here? So I'm going to fill my flex spot with a guy that I think has a lot of potential 
in this uh, round four range, and it's uh, Cam Akers from the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Cam Akers is is a guy that has the potential, even with Daryl Henderson in the backfield, the way uh, or sharing the backfield with with him, the way that McVeigh's offenses run the football and use that to open up the passing game, the way it worked last year, uh, even with um, acres out of the lineup for the majority of the year until the playoffs, Henderson really benefited from uh, that type of offense. I think cam acres takes over the lead back duties and he'll be um, he'll share a little bit more than most of your workhorses, which is why he's down this list a little bit, but if he can show um, uh, or if he can come back and be the type of player that we saw towards the tail end of his rookie season, then uh, this guy's got a lot of potential to be one of the better backs in the league. I see a, a Nick Chubb like role for him um, in this offense. And uh, you know, that could be enough to, to win league league championships. If you've got uh, some other guys in your lead off running back spots and, and this guy's your, your flex, I'm going cam Akers round four, man. I hope you're right about Nick Chubb. Cause in the league that we're in, I have cam Akers. I would love if he can do that. Uh, you know, <sighs> I've always been a big fan of Daryl Henderson, but at the same time, uh, Cam Akers is the person who's produced in Sean McVay's offense. Um, right. So, yeah, if he can if he can take back that lead role, coming back from that uh, major injury he suffered last year, um, he could be very high upside in fantasy. I went with Michael Pittman Jr. here. Um, Big-bodied receiver on the outside. The Colts don't have a whole lot of help outside of him at wide receiver. They drafted Alec Pierce, who will hopefully be good enough to mm-hmm. take some of that attention away from Pittman. They have Mo Alley Cox and Jelani Woods at tight end. Uh, but Michael Pittman, he is a target monster. He is a red zone monster when given the opportunity. Um, and Matt Ryan, I would say probably is going to be a little bit more consistent than what Carson Wentz was for them. Yes. And we saw Michael Pittman take that next step last year um, with Carson Wentz. So I think we're going to continually, we're going to see another year of continued progression from Michael Pittman. Um, so in round four, I think that's really good value for Pittman. Round five, Jeremy, you've already gone with three running backs. So that's your max for because that's your flex. So um, that's right. I got to imagine that either a receiver or quarterback is going to be coming next. Yeah, it's it's a receiver. Um, I'm going with Chris Godwin also coming off an injury. That's going to be a theme of this one, obviously, because you've got guys that are um, we're, we're talking potential. We're talking guys who have a chance to really break out this year. Godwin was a top five, I believe, wide receiver in 2020 with uh, Tom Brady leading the most pass happy offense in the league. 2021 was no different as far as how much they passed the football, but Godwin was hurt. Uh, He didn't get a chance to, to be a part of that offense uh, for the majority of the year. If Chris Godwin comes back healthy and you know, that's, that's an if it's an if for all of these guys, but if he does, he's got potential to be Tom Brady's, favorite or second favorite target in this offense. And that's good enough for really good receiver production. Uh, I like Chris Godwin. He's a guy I could see uh, ranking in the top 10 in uh, fantasy points. Uh, PPR leagues uh, is kind of what I'm leaning towards here uh, with this prediction. Um, Top 10 in, in fantasy points uh, in 2022, if he comes back fully healthy. In round five, I went with Joe Burrow. I, obviously not a fan of his now that he's inside the division <laughs> yeah. um, and wasn't, wasn't always his biggest fan in college either, but nonetheless, 
Uh, a lot of upside, especially with the weapons that he has with Chase, Boyd, and Higgins. Uh, he's got weapons for days. Um, I do have some concerns about maybe a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover, uh, but we'll see what happens. Obviously, I would not be disappointed if that did happen, uh, but I, I think Joe Burrow does bring a l- tremendous upside once you get to the fifth, sixth round. Um, yep. Most leagues, Mahomes, Allen, they're going to be off the board earlier than quarterbacks probably should be taken. Um, but Joe Burrow in the fifth round is kind of a sweet spot. I think, um, to go and get a guy, I have him slightly higher than Justin Herbert. Some people will disagree with that. Um, but I just like Burrow's overall game. I think he's a little bit more clutch than Herbert at this point. We're halfway through Jeremy. You still haven't taken a quarterback. When are you going to take one? I'm taking one right now. I'm going Jalen hurts, Philadelphia. He can improve as a passer a little bit more this year. Uh, the rushing, floor is there uh this guy could be uh, one of the top three or four quarterbacks in fantasy by the end of the year i like this philly offense there's a lot of weapons there he's going to have plenty of targets to throw the football to plenty of attention taken off of him as a rusher that's going to be huge i think jalen hurts has a big fantasy football season well elijah mitchell is a guy that we talked about a little bit on a previous podcast um, was a big fan of his last year in a dynasty league that I was in last year and couldn't get him in the, our original draft. Uh, I traded a fifth round pick of this, this year's draft mm-hmm. to get Elijah Mitchell last year. That was probably the best fantasy trade I've ever pulled off. Um, <laughs> considering this is a 14 team league. So fifth round pick, you're talking about undrafted guys, which is about where Elijah Mitchell was taken, but was a big fan of his really wanted the Steelers to draft him instead of going for Najee early on. Uh, but so much talent. Yes, there is an injury concern. Yes, there's concerns about how he's going to be used, especially with adding Tyree and Davis price in the draft. Uh, but the point is he is an excellent runner. When he is healthy, he can do it all. He has some power. He has the vision. He can pass block. He can catch balls out of the backfield. He can do everything. He is a true do it all back that I believe in PPR or non PPR formats is going to be extremely valuable. If Kyle Shanahan uses him how he should, and that is workhorse back. So, Jeremy, round seven, who you got? I'm going with a former Steeler, and that's Juju Smith-Schuster in this Kansas City Chiefs offense led by Patrick Mahomes. If you look at the roster right now, he is likely their number one guy, at least to start the season, and uh, he's going to have a consistent role in this offense Nicole Hardman Marquez Valdez Scantling those guys uh predict to have more of a um big play role in this offense but I could see Juju in PPR leagues really being the guy uh getting a lot of catches uh kind of filling that same role that he did in Pittsburgh only a little more efficiently because of the um the improved quarterback play behind center I think Juju has really big potential this year. He's a guy I'm targeting in a lot of my uh, drafts mid rounds. How much are you concerned about the role sky Moore is going to play, especially considering how good he is out of the slot. Do you think that could all eat into the targets that Juju could potentially get? There's potential for that. uh, Obviously. So, you know, you've got a, you, it's a risk reward type pick. Uh, But I look at, 2018 when Juju Smith-Schuster uh, finished ninth, I believe, in PPR fantasy points, and he uh, played the number two role to Antonio Brown uh, like nobody else 
has in the in that offense. Uh, I think he's he's got enough of what it takes to be the guy, uh, and I think that the Chiefs will use him more creatively and uh, in different roles uh, to a point than what uh, Pittsburgh did. He's a he's a big receiver. He's a, a physical receiver. Sky Moore is a uh, is a technician on the route. That's how he he makes his money. He's got a very Antonio Brown like quality there. Maybe those two team up really well together, but I think Juju Smith-Schuster takes more snaps than uh, Sky Moore early on. And if Juju snags a hold of a, a decent role there, I think he's going to be uh, quite the steal in the middle round. You went with a former Steeler wide receiver. I'm going to go with the current one. One we talked about earlier, Chase Claypool. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about that potential, so I'm not going to dive nice. into it, but uh, Chase Claypool, a guy, uh Guy high potential. If he can just develop a chemistry with Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, whoever the starter is, if he can develop and click with him early on, man, he's got so much talent. If he can just stay focused, focus was the issue last year. If he can stay focused, uh, I think that's going to be uh, the big determining factor in his success. We have three left, Jeremy. When are you going? You oh, you you've taken your quarterback, you've taken your running backs, you've taken your receivers. So you got to go with those back end of the roster positions. Which one are you going to target first? Yeah, so we're only doing 10 picks uh, for our purposes here. Yes. And I know most of your drafts are going to be longer than that. But, um, you know, guys near the back end of these 10 picks. So Juju Smith-Schuster would have been the first guy on my bench. Okay, so that's that. just to explain that to uh, everybody listening. Yes. So you're not thinking, hey, we're what are we doing here? Uh, it's only 10 picks. That's not right. Um, so I went with tight end here in round eight. Um, I could see you taking this guy sooner as well. I think he's going to be special. Pat Fryermuth, Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you know, this is the point where you can start thinking about calling me a homer if you want to. But uh, Pat Fryermuth, man, is just he's a special catcher of the football. And he's going to be used a lot in this offense. I just get that feeling. New quarterback in place. He's going to be the security blanket guy because he's you just throw him the football anywhere in his general catch radius and he's going to bring it down. We saw that happen in game last year. So it's not just just talk anymore. This is the real deal for Pat Fryermuth. You know, if if you wait until late to get a tight end, you could do way worse than Patty Fry from the Berg, baby. I love me some Muth, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do with the Steelers. I went a different direction, but I remained with the Steelers. I take hey. the Steelers' defense, and okay. the reason I go with it is because you know how many sacks the Steelers are going to get. We know that if T.J. Watt is healthy. We know that if Cameron Hayward is healthy. We know that if those inside linebackers get back to what they're capable of being, we know the Steelers are going to get a lot of sacks each and every week, and regardless of how subpar the Steelers may be at corner which I have some concerns about they both have good ball skills Levi Wallace who's projected to be an outside guy as well as Akella Witherspoon another guy they both have very good ball skills I'm I'm expecting this unit to be able to be giving up a decent amount of points on a maybe not a weekly basis but I'm not sure I don't see this team being someone that's going to hold teams under 15 points each and every week but I think the amount of splash plays that they can make will make up for the difference in the points that they're going to be giving up. So I think the upside is really high because the splash plays the Steelers defense can make. Jeremy, you still have to take a defense. Where are you going to go here? 
I'm going to take a defense with my ninth pick. I'm going to go with the Chargers defense and special teams unit. Khalil Mack added to that room. Um, Jackson, uh, what's his first name? Uh, came over from the Patriots. Is going to be on the back end there too. Uh, J.C. Jackson. J.C. Jackson, that's right. Yeah, so, man, this defense improved uh, with the players that they brought in, and they were already pretty decent. They are, I believe, the ninth. Um, yeah, I think they're they're ninth in. They're the ninth defense taken off uh, in drafts in ADP. So uh, that's that's a little low. I think they're going to be much higher than that by the end of the season. They're going to put up a lot of sacks. They're going to get after the passer. They're going to cause uh, problems on the back end with J.C. Jackson and uh, Derwin James back there. So I like this defense a lot for some of the same reasons you you were talking about Pittsburgh. Uh, the the Chargers defense could be a, a really good unit if you are going to wait and take a defense and uh, stockpile your bench. In round nine, I'm going to take my kicker, who I feel is maybe the most grossly underrated kicker, along with Chris Boswell. And that yes. is Tyler Bass from the Buffalo Bills. We know that Buffalo is going to be putting up some points. We know they're going to be in scoring opportunities a lot. Bass is not right. only accurate, but he has a really big leg as well, in case you haven't seen. So I would take Tyler Bass any day of the week. I would be tempted to take him even above Justin Tucker because Baltimore – um, they have pieces in Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman, uh, but there may be times where they struggle to move the ball down the field a little bit this mm-hmm. year. Um, so I really like the safe, not only the safety, but the upside of Tyler Bass. He's the perfect balance. And then round nine, you know, I, I think that he's one of the first kickers that should be off the board. I agree. And he's currently a uh, kicker six. Uh, so that, that to me is a little, it's a little off. It's, it doesn't make sense to me. Maybe they're basing it off the fact that they think that the Bills are going to score a lot of touchdowns and not need to kick a lot of field goals. But either way, you go for when you're going after kickers, you're going for high powered offenses that get in scoring position a lot. Tyler Bass was my pick at kicker as well. I don't know if you could really go with another one, maybe Boswell, maybe Daniel Carlson. He's a little undervalued as well uh, for the Raiders. But um, man, Tyler Bass is is a great kicker pick if I. If, uh, if he's your last pick of the draft, that's that's a good good last pick. In my final pick, I would decide to I had to go with a tight end here. I hadn't addressed right. it yet. Um, waited, I, want, I thought waited. about Frymuth a couple rounds earlier, but when I saw that you had him down, I decided to go a different direction. I went with Cole Komet, tight end for the Chicago Bears. You're looking at a team that just lost Allen Robinson. The only receiver they really replaced him with was Valus Jones Jr. from Tennessee, who is a very similar style receiver to Darnell Mooney, who they already have. Mooney is a little bit more agile than uh, Jones, and Jones is a little bit thicker. Uh, But overall, they're both speed guys that are going to burn you deep. They're not big possession guys. They're not somebody who you can rely on each and every week to be a security blanket. And I think Komet is going to be that guy for Justin Fields. We know their fields goes through some inconsistency, especially when it comes to accuracy. He did last year. Um, hopefully, he'll be, continue to develop this year. But Komet's going to have to be a big part of that offense, especially their red zone offense, if they want to be able to move the ball because this Bears wide receiver core does not look good on paper at all. So I think Cole Komet is, could be the savior of this offense. I think they're going to rely on him heavily as he goes into, what is it now, year three? Um, year three, year three. And that's generally the golden year for tight ends that year that they tend to break out generally year Mm -hmm. three. So I'm excited to see what is in store for Cole commit 
Jeremy, before we get going, you've had some impressive articles coming out lately. Where can people find you on Twitter and what is up next for you at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers? You can find me on Twitter at TheBets93. I'm making a regular Friday appearance on the Let's Ride podcast with Jeff Hartman now as well. And if you didn't get to watch the Steelers Q&A uh, from Sunday night, uh, go ahead and check that out on YouTube and uh, also any of the uh, audio platforms uh, made it an appearance there with Tony Defio. It was a lot of fun. So getting out there, uh, you know, as a part of behind the steel curtain podcast platform, but also continuing to work on my uh, roster review article series for the Steelers. We just did the outside linebackers. We're going to do inside linebackers uh, coming up this week as well. So uh, that's continuing on. I think I've got inside linebackers, uh, cornerbacks, and safeties left to do. So just three more in that roster review article uh, before turning to some other items. And I'm still working on my power rankings, my off-season power rankings before training camp. That'll come out sometime before training camp to get you ready for how the NFL shakes out where you see the Steelers uh, in the NFL landscape going into 2022 before training camp starts. So that's what's up next on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com from myself. That is really interesting. By the way, listening to Jeff Hartman and Jeremy Betts together is a must listen to. Phenomenal. Be sure to go and check that out on Fridays. Jeff always does a great job with Let's Ride. I've got Jeff's the man. Uh, some discussion articles I'm starting. Uh, this next one is going to be on Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin was ranked um, at a certain spot. You'll have to go and check that out by Pro Football Network. Um, and just kind of discussing where Mike Tomlin really belongs amongst head coaches. We have this discussion every offseason. So now is probably the best time to do it when there's not a whole lot else going on. Uh, this is the time to have deep discussion articles on things of that nature. So we're going to discuss Mike Tomlin this week. We'll have some other rankings. This is the year. This is the time of year where a lot of major media outlets start doing positional rankings. Um, always great for discussion purposes. So be sure to go and check that out. And by the way, I haven't mentioned this before, but if you don't have a, an account on SB nation, go and create one and head to the comment section. So you can start heading. So you can start commenting on articles as well. Generally on my articles, yes, I try absolutely. to comment down. I know that many of the authors try to do the same thing as well. Uh, we try to be as active as we can in the comment section um, and just being able to discuss what we were writing about with you and you are free to state your opinion. So be sure to go to behindthesteelcurtain.com or any SB Nation platform, create an account, um, and then you can start commenting on these articles that Jeremy and I talk about here. Uh, so you can find me at Andrew underscore Wilbar, Andrew at Andrew underscore Wilbar on Twitter. I think that is everything for today. Jeremy, do you That's have anything else to, to add before we head on out of here? I don't think so. It's been fun. We'll do it again next week. We are out of here. Steeler fans. See you next week. Yeah.